Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 46, if you keep a track at home. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always, joined in the booth by my co-host, Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, I, I'm thinking Andy Pettit, my Yankee fans I know are smiling at home. Andy Pettit episode. Uh, 46. Hmm, I got to go with the late, great Todd Christensen, Raiders and Giants and Cowboys tight end. Um, 78 to 88, rest in peace. Yeah, you don't find too many players that are playing for both the Giants and the Cowboys. Uh, but listen, again, we, we talk about it all the time. We're, we're getting close to that 50 number. Uh, it's been a crazy ride. We already passed the one-year mark. That was last week's episode. Uh, you know, we, we talked all about the anniversary and stuff like that. Jolan, I want to hit Major League Baseball first. We're talking a little Jacob DeGrom. He was spectacular the other night. Just if you didn't watch the game or you lived under a rock, complete game, two-hitter, Retired the last 19 consecutive batters, 15 strikeouts, had as many hits at the plate as he gave up hits, has as many RB has more RBIs this year, too, than he's given up earned runs one this entire year. He's been filthy, he's been nasty. And uh I, I think they they asked a great question after the game. Are you not only trying to go out there to win, but also snatch the souls of your opponents? And he said, Well, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of, yeah. I mean, when it comes to DeGrom, you're, you're, we are reaching uncharted territories at a peak. If he does this for a while, he might be the greatest ever. But at a peak right now, we haven't seen a pitcher like this in baseball. Ten years? Right. It, it, it's one of the best peaks. I think I think right now and, and how late of a bloomer he was, I think that's kind of how we'll look back. Obviously, listen, he keeps sustaining it. You know, we're going to have different discussions. He belongs, you know, the European Soccer League is looking at the Super League. DeGrom belongs in a Super League by himself right now. He should be able to pitch against simulations as, a, you know, as opposed to some of these real batters sometimes. I mean, when you think about DeGrom and you think about what he's doing at the plate and pitching, I mean, wouldn't you give him a lifetime deal? Probably. You know I, what I'm saying? Like, why don't you just give him a blank check, just sign it over, give fans what they want? Let him be a Met forever. But this is the this is the great thing about having Steve Cohen as an owner. The Will Pods would have said, "Well, play out your contract, and then we'll talk about it." Uncle Stevie, I'm sure, is already dreaming of what kind of size contract he's going to give him because it's going to be a boatload. He might deliver it on a boat, which would be kind of cool, and it'll say the Grominator on the side of it because he he has been downright nasty, and he looks great in every game. And I got to tell you, when he RBI down the left field line. In his his RBI to make it one nothing in the game, and I sat there and I went, they're gonna win this game one nothing. He's gonna he's gonna RBI in the only run of the game, and he's gonna throw a complete game shutout. And he threw a complete game shutout. The the run support kind of tacked on towards the end, but uh, he's just he's just stupid good, stupid you're, good. You're right, and I think they the first uh, the first run rather came in around the fifth inning. So yeah. it, was a, it was a late start, so you wouldn't be too far off to predict a 1-0 ball game with the way DeGrom was playing and his one-swing RBI. Yeah, and the way the Mets play when he's on the mound. It's one of the most ridiculous things in all of sports. But uh, he's looked good. The Yankees' bats have started to come to life, Jolan, a little bit. Eh. A little bit here and there in Cleveland. Uh, they started to find it just a little bit, and uh, that's always dangerous with that lineup. Does have hitters in it. You know, we may they may be struggling right now, but they got some real talent in that lineup. Staying in the AL East, rather the Red Sox, red they've, hot. They've been red hot. I, honestly, I, I again, Boston fans, I apologize, man. I thought you guys were going to come in, win five games, maybe that'd be your season. But every week, every game, I'm eating my words. Yeah, I mean, listen, we'll see if they can sustain it uh, throughout the course of the entire year. This is not. The 60-game schedule last year, you know, where if you got in one of these hot stretches, you're going to be one of the top teams come postseason time. You know, you really got to sustain this over 162. We'll see if they can do that. But, uh, Joel, listen, baseball has been exciting. The Padres are exciting. Tatis, he homered, he's homered four times in two games against the Dodgers. Two homers off of Kershaw. Two homers off of Bauer. I believe the night he hit two homers off of Kershaw, it was 20 years to the day. That his, no, was it, no, they think it was 22 years to the day his father hit Tommy two home senior. runs yes, sir. against the Dodgers. He Now, he hit two grand slams in one inning, which yeah, is absurd. But still, and nonetheless, just absolutely fantastic and great roots. I mean, when it comes to baseball and baseball as a whole, this is exactly what it needs in a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. Because think about it. 
there was like a no real face of the MLB for a while. You had Trout, kind of boring. Now this young stud's on the scene. Game covers after him, getting all the interviews, hitting home runs, playing great in the field. I mean, what more could you ask for if you're the commissioner of MLB? Right, and the best part, I think, too, is having one of the faces of the league be in New York. A guy like Jacob deGrom in that huge media outlet and market, I that's that's critical to the MLB game. It's even, when you look into the NBA, LeBron even said it, when the Knicks are playing better, it's making basketball better. When the, the hot market teams are playing better, it makes the sport as a whole better. Well, that's a great transition, Joel. Let's, you know, the Knicks have won nine in a row. Uh, they're, they're, they're this playoff team that looks like they could snatch the four. There are still ways they can fall into the play the play-in game. There are ways they can play the 76ers in the first round. You know, they, they, they can really range anywhere from four to, I believe it's almost ten. You know, they, they can fall anywhere in that range, but you got to give them credit. Thibodeau has that team playing hard, uh, impactful basketball, and to hear the Garden roar again, you know, listen, sometimes they just roar because they're drunk and have li- have literally have nothing else to do and have just been a 9-to-5 job sitting at a desk. So, like, they need some, like, fake entertainment. They're getting real entertainment this year. Barrett, Noel, Randall, Quickly, all these guys, D. Rose, you got to love it. And you just hit nail on the head with the last guy. D. Rose has been so special for them. I mean, I know Randall's been the guy taking over, doing all these things to help them win, but D. Rose is leading that team. He's the mature veteran on that team, and it's just a really good fit for him. And they work so hard. You know, he said this is probably the most uh, the most he's ever had to work. And listen, he played on some great Chicago teams. Obviously, that was when he won the MVP. But even before that, they were great. And, you know, so a credit to the Knicks. Uh, we saw the Lakers. Anthony Davis is back playing. He is not back to, I think, the form we expect him to get to. But he's been off for nine weeks. You know, that's that's a that's a long time to miss. And I feel like, even myself included, I expected more from Anthony Davis when he returned to be that number one with no LeBron and him being sidelined. But you hit the nail on the head again. Anthony Davis has been out for nine weeks. you got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he will return to playoff form when the playoffs come around. Just a matter of when. Right, and I think part of it, too, is he doesn't want to adjust his game too much right now because, again, LeBron looks like he's about another week or two away. So when he comes back, Anthony's got to change his play style again. You know, so it's one of the you, you don't want to keep flip-flopping, especially as you're getting ready to head to the postseason. Like we talked about last week, the Lakers have done a good job staying out of that playing scenario. Looks like they're sit, they're hovering around four to six Looks like they may get the Nuggets if LeBron comes back and they can win some games here. They may get the Nuggets in the first round, which I think for them without Jamal Murray, I think we saw it last year. You put an athletic big out there with Jokic, and he's going to struggle on the defensive end of the floor, and I think that can really create some problems. But, Jolan, outside of that, you know, you look at the Nets are playing well. Uh, Joel Embiid is back playing his MVP form. Him and Jokic kind of going back and forth. First center, you know, it would be the first center to win MVP, and it's got to be somewhere in the last 20 years. I think Shaq was the last center to win it. Yeah, that's actually a great point, and this raises a good argument because of games missed. Now, you said Embiid's back to playing at his MVP level, MVP level, excuse me, and the problem with that is he's missed 18 games in the season, I believe. I believe Jokic so. has missed zero. Really balancing that out to be putting on 25, 10, and like 8, I think Jokic is putting up, it's way more impressive when you haven't missed a game. Right, but you also, you know, you got to look at how the team played w- without Embiid. You know, if, if they struggled, how they struggled. Uh, Jokic has had to take on that MVP level with Jamal Murray being out. I think if Murray's still playing for them, I don't think he's in the conversation as much as he is right now because he is the face of that franchise right now. And, you know, again, you do have to factor it in. No, I believe no MVP will have missed a bigger percentage of the games in a season than Joel Embiid would if he were to win the award. Yet, it just, it's a cuckoo year. You know, that's, it, it's just, that's one of those words that comes to mind when you talk, talk about it and think about it. It's just a cuckoo type year, you know, and, and it seems like the writing's on the wall for Embiid to win it. I, I, re- I really do believe that. And talk about a cuckoo year, um, LaMelo Ball could possibly win Rookie of the Year still. I hear execs talking about that around the league. What do you think? Do you think LaMelo Ball has shown enough that he could win Rookie of the Year throughout the course of the season? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, being hurt it's tough. Anthony Edwards has been great. I, I think he, he's very much, very much in the conversation, and rightfully so. I mean, listen, he, I, he deserves 
he deserves all the consideration. Now, if LaMelo comes back and he, I think if he returns to the level we saw him before the injury, I think they'll give it to him. I really do. And But if he doesn't and he slips up, I could see that, you know, kind of leading some voters to uh, to sway towards a guy like Anthony Edwards or, you know, any other rookie we've had this year. NBA's in good hands, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And listen, that's going to do it for the NBA. We're going to talk a lot of NFL because, again, coming up this week, we have the NFL 2021 NFL Draft. First round is Thursday night. Hold on, we did have something big happen, though, with Kansas City this week. They traded for offensive tackle Orlando Brown. So after letting Fisher and Schwartz go in the offseason, they now have Orlando Brown, Joe Thune, the the guy that's a doctor that missed all of last year. He's coming back this year. Uh, they signed a couple other dudes, too. They kind of rebuilt this entire offensive line in one offseason. It kind of makes Dave Gettleman look like a gnome on the front lawn. Like, he, he, he looks really bad. It's not even Dave Gettleman looks really bad. It's just how good the Chiefs are. The right. front office understands what they need, what they want, and how to achieve it. And what, six weeks, eight weeks? Their whole plan has unfolded. They traded out of the first round, but it was the 31st overall pick. So no harm, no foul. They got the guy. I mean, listen, I I think that's just me being a little bit hard on Dave Gettleman. But again, you have certain expectations and you see teams do it. So you're like, why can't we? Exactly. Why can't we? And, uh, you know, we'll we'll obviously talk about it. It's it's good that they're uh, getting out of the first round there. I think, you know, again, 31, there's not... Not a ton of value. Look at a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year. He was solid, not great, but uh, was solid for them. So, uh, But listen, that was the big news, and now we are going to move into our 2021 NFL draft predictions, just like last year. That was our first ever episode, Jolan, was our, our mock draft. We're going to do the same thing this year. The exception is two trades allowed this year. Two. Last year we did one. Uh, this year is a maximum of two. You don't have to do one. And uh, listen, we're going to keep track of who's got the most correct first round picks. We're going to have a little fun with that. I'm pretty sure last year you had a great, great draft. I had a, you know what? I had the first eight solid, except for Isaiah Simmons. I I had flipped where he was going, but that's about it. Let's take it in. 2021 pre draft. I think with the first overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, uh, I, I, shocker here, I'm going to go uh, Penny Sewell. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's Trevor Lawrence. Sheesh. He's had his name on a locker in Jacksonville ever since he lost to Justin Fields in the college football playoff last year. He had it probably even before then, too. As soon as the Jaguars wrapped up that pick, they were taking Trevor Lawrence, and uh, he's the guy for them. And obviously he's my number one overall pick, but the only concern I have is we put this guy on a pedestal for so long. If he even is okay and good, he's going to be looked at as a bust. A lot of, lot of, lot of hype coming around Trevor Lawrence. They're talking a lot about maybe a comparison to Andrew Luck. Can we not – listen, I get that Andrew Luck retired early. Do we not remember how good Andrew Luck was when when he was in the league? That, that Colts team was good, not great. He took them to great and took them to an AFC Championship game in his first couple seasons. So, you know, you're kind of wondering, and, and I think – that's a that's not a bad comparison. You know, if he's going to retire in a few years, I guess maybe. But like Andrew Luck was a good quarterback in the league. Like that that's not it's not a shabby prediction. I, I'm not saying he's going to be Tim Couch, who you know you no, you're not laying Some on the couch like with who? Tim Couch, yeah, Browns exactly. quarterback, <laughs> exactly, or any other Browns quarterback you want to mention. You know that that's not who he's being compared to. And uh, listen, I, I I got all the faith in Trevor Lawrence. Number two. I think this is very simple with the New York Jets. It's got to be Zach Wilson. They've committed to it. I think they should have committed to it earlier, but they, as soon as they saw his throw at his pro day, which you know I hate pro days because I think they're extremely overrated, they fell in love with the Mormon Mahomes, as he was once called. Great hair, by the way. It's going to look fantastic in the New York spotlight. And uh, he's headed to a team with more holes than Swiss cheese and expectations higher than Mount Everest. So buckle up, Zach Wilson. It's going to be a lot. Yeah, I'm not personally high on Zach Wilson, but all the stars are aligning for him to end up in New York. I obviously have to agree and agree with everything Ryan just said there. I don't know. It could be an uphill battle for Zach Wilson in New York, and it might not happen overnight. So brace yourself, Jets fans. And for that, we will move on to the number third pick with the most intrigue so far in the top three. 
To me, it's got to be Justin Fields. I think this is the pick for San Francisco. The whole Mac Jones thing is a very much a, a smokescreen. I thought for a while it was a very intriguing, very cute conversation. Justin Fields, to me, is the most NFL-ready out of the next three quarterbacks, him, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. He's the most NFL-ready. I know Ohio State's got bad reputation, but listen, North Dakota State's reputation ain't getting better by the day Carson Wentz is in the league, and neither is Alabama. They We've seen their success or lack thereof. I think Justin Fields can add a different dynamic to Kyle Shanahan's offense that he hasn't had before, and I think Justin Fields is the pick here. And this is where we start to differ. Uh-oh. Because there's been reports, and I don't know if it was a HIPAA violation or whatnot, but it's out there in the media, so we are allowed to say it. Uh, Justin Fields is epileptic. I do oh, not he, know. he did come out with that. Yeah, I believe, yeah oh, he did release that. I do that. not know how that affects his draft stock, but it's affecting my mock draft. I'm going to take Trey Lance at the number three pick for the Niners. Give him a year to develop under Garoppolo. Give Garoppolo a year to try out for the rest of the league and see where he ends up in a year from now. Well, right. Here's my problem. That roster is not built for a year of wait and see. The other thing is, is uh, Fields has had this epilepsy for a while. It's actually genetic. And uh, but they said his episodes have been getting less severe and less frequent, uh, and he'll kind of grow out of it, is, oh. is what I was told. But listen, his draft stock, according to a lot of experts, has fallen for no reason. Oh, he's got no work ethic. That's incorrect. Uh, he can't go past his first read. That's also incorrect. He's not tough. Well, that's incorrect too. We saw him play with a severed rib uh, when he was playing against Clemson after Skalski broke his rib in half. I, I think Justin Fields is the absolute perfect fit for San Francisco in this position. I think my medical medical concerns are a little higher than yours because, of course, he will outgrow it eventually. But to the number fourth pick, the Atlanta Falcons. Select Kyle Pitts out of Florida. He is the guy. You Listen, we talked about Atlanta and Philadelphia being teams that never understand when to rebuild. They, they, they don't know. This is actually a prime spot to me for Trey Lance. Trey Lance to go sit behind Matt Ryan. I think that's a different. I would be more on board with that. That's a deal, a lot of money. Right. That's a different discussion, and it, you know it could it could turn out to be even better. But Arthur Blank and that team, they don't want to rebuild. They don't want to do any of this stuff. I think they bring in more weapons. I believe Arthur Smith is their coach, right? The guy from Tennessee. Correct. So you know, and and he loves he loves playmakers. And I think Kyle Pitts is the ultimate playmaker in this draft. Uh, at tight end, there's a there's a there's a, a very low miss rate on Kyle Pitts. I think he goes to Atlanta because I think they they want to keep this together. Now, whether they should or not is a different discussion. I think they want to keep this together and give Matt Ryan more weapons. Yeah, and honestly, with uh, number fourth pick, I got Kyle Pitts going six six two forty, Hall of Fame potential. Honestly, when you look at the rest of the talent you could have in this draft. And when you look at Kyle Pitts specifically going to the Falcons, you look at the window they have. Matt Ryan has two more years on his deal, a lot of money. So obviously if they take Kyle Pitts here, they're going to wait for a quarterback. And you're right. It's been a slow teardown of this Falcons team. It's getting slower by the day. But right here, this helps them set up an offense where if you bring in a young quarterback, it's going to be easier to perform. Right. No doubt. And then we'll move on to the number five pick. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. I think they take Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Listen, we saw Joe Burrow get absolutely destroyed last year, pressure after pressure, but we saw how good he was despite that. I think you got to get him protection. This is a heavily debated position in terms of do they go offensive line or receiver? You go offensive line. I know that's bias coming from me, but I you hear a lot of experts are starting to say it too. I take Penny Sewell, the guy out of Oregon. He wasn't opt-out last year, but this dude... This dude, as a true sophomore, was just absolutely stupid good and just a fun, fun guy to watch. Well, you're hearing it from all the experts that love a lot of offense, like a different receiver to the Bengals. But when you look at your investment in Joe Burrow, and this class is deep at tackle, I will say that. But the best cream of the crop is Penny Sewell. He's going number five at Cincinnati for me, too. And honestly, if you get a receiver here, you're just doing yourself a disservice. Right. The, the guys you want at tackle aren't going to be there in later rounds at two and three because a lot might come off the board. I mean, Sewell might be on your roster for the next 12 or 15 years. Exactly. I, I think that's pros. right. I think that's that's the biggest sell on Sewell. And we move on to the number six pick, the Miami Dolphins. I think they take Jamar Chase. I think this is obvious weapon spot for uh, Tua Tungavailoa, who we saw last year. 
I, he wasn't great last year. I'll, I'll tell you that much. That's obvious. I think anybody could see that. But I think, too, they didn't really uncork him. You got Gasecki at tight end. Devontae Parker, I believe, is back. Uh, you have some other decent weapons. But I think adding a guy like Jamar Chase, who can take the top off of the defense, he's a great, great route runner, too. Uh, he, he can really have a big impact, similar to the impact, not necessarily the same routes and stuff, but similar impact we saw Justin Jefferson come in and have with the Minnesota Vikings last year. Jamar Chase is the pick for the Dolphins. Yeah, when you look at Miami and what they've done, they're now surrounding two oval weapons. Where if he fails, it is not their fault. They got Will Fuller in the offseason, two-game suspension early on the season, not really a problem. But if you're Miami right now, you obviously have to pick up Jamar Chase, but you're hoping for Kyle Pitts. Maybe Trey Lance goes at four, and maybe Kyle Pitts slips to you. But I think right now, with our board clearing the way it has, Miami sits at number six and picks up Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU, who did not play last season. That's correct. That is that is correct. To pick number seven, we have the Detroit Lions. Yeah, the Lions are tough here because, again, it's just another team that has so many holes. But I think, you know, and I, I don't love this pick. It's not a sexy pick to me. I think they take Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. I, re- I really do believe they try to take a home run threat. Uh, they try to get Jared Goff some weapons, keep him in Detroit. Because, listen, he hits the free agent mark and he ain't coming back to Detroit, I'll tell you that much. And so you got to surround him with something. And the first thing, you know, uh, Dan Campbell is a tight ends coach. So a little bit offensive type kind of uh, biting kneecaps and everything. So I think a guy like Rayshon Slater here makes a lot of sense. But I think they go weapons for their newly acquired quarterback, Jared Goff. They go a guy like Jalen Waddle. And uh, I have to agree on the same position. Even same school, rather. But I go different route. Devontae Smith, I feel like... Lions right now are in a degress where they have to sell tickets, bringing in a Heisman winner with that much upside. I know that there's a lot of concerns with his weight, with his height. Not a lot of dudes at 6'1", 170 succeed in the NFL. But Jalen Waddell isn't the biggest dude ever. Yeah, he has a couple pounds on him, but he's shorter than him. So I think right here the Lions kind of sell out, go with the bigger name here, take Devontae Smith, but we're both uh, sticking with receiver there. Yeah, no doubt. We move on. To the number eighth pick with the Carolina Panthers with newly acquired Sam Darnold. They're no longer in the quarterback market, you'd believe. What do you think? Yeah, this is my first trade. I have them trading with New England uh, at 15. I think New England comes up and they take Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama. I, you know, you kind of, it gets weary there for, in the range between 12 and 15. I think Bill Belichick doesn't want to take a chance. He goes up and he gets Mac Jones uh, there at eight. And Carolina goes back and they recoup some capital after what they had to trade for Sam Darnold. Not a completely excessive overload, but they they do have to get some get some capital back, and I think they do that in this trade. Now, I think Sam Darnold, obviously, new quarterback there. I think they get him some protection immediately. I have this pick going with Sean Slater. Obviously, he's a Northwestern senior. Um, O-lineman out of there, 6'4", 315. A lot of upside, and like I said, a lot of tackles in this draft. Right. So, obviously, I think they're going quick. I think they pick up. Um, Sam Darnold's protection, and they solidify Rashawn Slater going number eight. Interesting. We move on to the number ninth pick in the Denver Broncos. Obviously, a lot of questions around the quarterback situation. Goose, what do you think this team does here? Yeah, the uh, the Denver Broncos. There's there's so much. You know, they they you can really go up and down that roster and and kind of find anybody you want. I think the pick for them, and, and it's not, again, it's not necessarily what I would go with. Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, Ooh. he, they, they just, I, the Broncos strike me as a team that loves their defense. They love to stop the run. And what better option than an Alabama defensive tackle sitting there at nine? I think that's where, I think that's where the mile high city goes. Now, I also am going to the defense side of the ball, but I think they start to look for a Von Miller replacement. I got Micah Parsons, Penn State linebacker. I think they go and get him. But you bring up a good point because Barmore is one of the best D-tackles in the draft, obviously, but there's not many deep D-tackles here. So he can shoot up and go really high in this draft. Right. Yeah, no doubt. We move on to the number 10th pick in the Dallas Cowboys. I hate this team, but Goose... Where do you see this team going being logical? This has to be Patrick Sertain. I don't care that you're infatuated with Kyle Pitts. I don't care that a guy like in my draft that Devontae Smith is sitting on the board. I I really do not care. 
Patrick Sertain has to be the pick. He has to be the pick in this situation. I get the whole build your offense to an impossibility, but this defense, there are you're paying Demarcus Lawrence a lot of money. They pay the least amount, a second second least amount salary cap spent on their defense in the entire league. I think they go with a guy like Patrick Sertain, who could be a great corner for them. And uh, we'll, you know we'll have to see. The, I believe they have uh, Trayvon Diggs. Yes, I believe is one of their corners. So uh, they compare him with him. I think Sertain's got a bright future, and I think he goes to Dallas. And when yeah, when you look around the NFC East, it's almost like a duo of wide receivers on every team, except the Eagles. Obviously, they're they're kind of poor. But you need a cornerback to keep up with all these guys. You have Terry McLaurin and newly signed Curtis Samuel. Now you have Kenny Galladay, and maybe the Giants pick up receiver here. So if you're Dallas right now, you have to get a, a cornerback. And I also got Pat Sertain. Going with the number 10th pick to the Cowboys. We move on. With the number 11th pick, my favorite team, the New York Football Giants. Goose, a lot of options here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so right now in mine, I'm really, you know, between two. And that's Rayshon Slater and Devontae Smith. I'm going to tell you the Giants, mm, they've had such bad luck taking offensive linemen uh, in the first round. I let me let me break this down in two parts. What I would want them to do is take Rayshon Slater because they got rid of Kevin Zeitler and he can move from tackle to guard and he could be really, really good. And I think he can solidify the interior of that offense. Where I think they go is Devontae Smith. In terms of if we're actually making predictions, I think they go Devontae Smith because I think they're loading up on weapons and saying, Daniel Jones, bruh, this is it. You better perform now or you're going to hit the highway. And by highway, I mean Route 3 during rush hour. And good luck, bro. Sorry, that's the worst. So I think they take Devontae Smith, get him another weapon uh, to pair along with the likes of Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. You start looking at these guys, it's just unbelievable. And you got a pro bowler, a tight end, ha, ha, ha. You've got Kyle Rudolph who hasn't dropped the ball in three years. And you got Saquon Barkley in the backfield. You know, it looks like Matt Pert's doing a great job, you know, and we'll see Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, how they can play interior-wise with Nick Gates at center. I like Devontae Smith, the pick here for the Giants. And, yeah, I also have the third receiver going off the board, but for me it's going to be Jalen Waddell. Obviously I have Devontae Smith going to the Detroit Lions earlier. So, yeah, I do think because of how my chips have fell, there's no real O-lineman they could take here. And I don't think they find any trade partners right now to suit them and their needs because Dave Gettleman does not trade back. It's been proof in the pudding. He will not get fleeced, as he said. So I think the Giants sit here. I say they take the number three wide receiver in Jalen Waddle, who I believe has the most upside in this draft, and they hit big. We move move forward to the number 12th pick in the Philadelphia Eagles. By the way, I forgot to mention with the Giants, Micah Parsons is very much in play here. Uh, Very much in play. he's, uh, He's got ties to our defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. Uh, and plenty of ties to that giant defense as a whole. Um, so do do not do not play that, Joel. And I think this is probably you know where I'm going with my second trade. And the question is is whether it's Washington or Chicago, uh, because both teams need a quarterback, and Chicago has needed a great quarterback since they started playing football in the 18. 18- 20s probably that's great congratulations (laughs) there's not a lot of people that are singing their praises you don't want sexy rexy back um you know yeah i mean why i think washington's had an even almost worse almost worse outside of like yeah when you look at their quarterbacks doug williams jay cutler might be the best in recent memory and that's saying something in chicago and then in washington i think doug williams back in like the 70s was probably their best quarterback. Did McNabb that, have a stint on them later in his career? Yeah, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't so. He wasn't the Donovan McNabb we know. Uh, listen, I, I think Chicago... I think Chicago gets desperate here. I think they trade up with the Eagles. The Eagles kind of not really understanding what they want to do. I think they, they look to trade back, again, accumulate more draft capital, and the Chicago Bears trade up to take Trey Lance. I think they take Trey Lance at 12. So, yeah, similar to me, I got the Chicago Bears moving up from pick 20 to number 12, but different quarterback here. Justin Fields is still on the board for me. Bears can't wait any longer. I think they a little bit overpay here, but that's what the Eagles want to do. They want to build up draft capital because it's a total rebuild. So I think the Bears move up, Eagles move back, 
Bears get their guy at number 12, Justin Fields. I think if Fields is still there, they significantly overpay to yeah, get up and get exactly him. If I'm he's thinking. still there, they're going to absolutely love it and go get him. Yeah, and Eagles obviously are going to be the be- beneficiaries now with a bunch of picks right. next year, with a bunch of picks this year. They're really stacking up for a proper rebuild. Right. And that brings us to our number 13th pick in the Los Angeles Chargers. A lot of questions around this team, but they got their quarterback. Yeah, based on what I've done so far, Rayshon Slater. This is this is the guy. This is who's going to protect Justin Herbert. I think he can play four out of the five offensive line positions. And you know what? If he gave him long enough, he could probably play center too. I think he's going to be Justin Herbert's protection. He could be that for the next 10 years. He's a smart dude. He went to Northwestern. Shout out Northwestern. I think he is the obvious pick. If he's here, he is the clear cut pick for the Chargers. Well, unlike you, I have a lot of tackles going earlier. Right. So right now it's Vera Tucker, obviously the USC junior, six mm. four, three fifteen. They really need a blindside protection piece for Herbert. I think this is where they go and get their guy. Yep. I could definitely see it. With the number fourteenth pick in the NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select. Oh, this is tough. But I, I like a guy, you know what, and I'm actually happy he fell this far. I like a guy like Micah Parsons on that defense. Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach, loves his defensive guys, loves physical guys. Micah Parsons only started playing the inside linebacker position just a couple years ago. He was really a pass rusher more uh, more than anything else. And and we know, you know, they have Yannick uh, over there, and I believe they have Daniel. Yannick's on the Raiders now. Uh, that's, oh, that's right. Look at that. They lost him, so they need a pass rusher. Need, need. You know, and I think if Parsons falls this far, again, I think this is one of those uh, you kind of run. Or last year they laughed when Philly went with Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. I think if any, I think if uh, the Chargers don't go Micah Parsons, I think the Vikings are running to the commissioner's table to do so. And yeah, Minnesota, obviously very fortunate, but in my draft, Micah Parsons is off the board. But you're right, Yannick Ngakwe is gone. They need an edge. This is where Quid, uh, Quidipe goes for me, the end out of Michigan. Okay. I feel like we just address all their concerns. This is a team that has an offense solidified, Dalvin Cook, two great receivers in Thielen and Jefferson. Quarterbacks, right. eh, but it's not a must-need. When you look at their defensive side of the ball, you need linebackers, you need an edge rush. So obviously, I think they address that with their first pick in this draft. We move forward. Let's get it. With the number 15th in the NFL draft, the New England Patriots are on the clock. Yes, yeah, it's really, really tough because I think – you know the the clear cut. I you know I had them trade with the Panthers, right? You know, so uh, the Panthers. Listen, they need somebody to cover, and because they're in a division with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, the likes of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller. That's just on that team, and then you then you move to the Saints, and you've got all those weapons, Michael Thomas, and and everybody there. I think Jace Horn out of South Carolina is the pick for them. I think he's the next best corner off the board. He's not he's not too far ahead Greg Newsom from what Northwestern. You know, I could very easily see the two of them flip in this pick. I like Jace Horn out of South Carolina, one of the more physical man-to-man corners. And again, that's what you need. And uh that's what they had in a guy like James Bradbury before he became a giant, was was this guy that is able to play press man very effectively. I like Jace Horn going to Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. Number 15, I actually go a total different direction, not even defense side of the ball. They go right now and get Mac Jones. He slipped this far in my draft. They have quarterback concerns, you could say, with Cam Newton not playing up to his potential. He now has money on a short-term deal. Do they get his replacement right now? They do. Great system fit. Reminds me a lot of Jimmy G. Confident in the pocket. Can make all the throws you can see these other quarterbacks making, except maybe Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. But it's a guy you have confidence. You can give him your system. He'll make plays. So just to clear that up, Jolon did not have the trade. So he has New England taking Mac Jones. We we both have... New England getting Mac Jones. Jolon has them staying at 15. I have them trading up to 8 with the Panthers, and that's where I think Jace Horn goes to the Panthers if that trade is to it's occur. Just when you look at Mac Jones, you see his gameplay and what he works with at Alabama. It's very right. pro-ready, a lot of running, a lot of things. Bill Belichick's likes, crossing, making throws across body. This makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. 
we continue with the 16th pick in the draft. Arizona Cardinals, one of the teams up and coming. A lot of moves to be made. A lot of moves made already. What do you like about this team? Who do they pick? Oh, I love this team. Right? I love this team. JJ Watt? It's really a lot of fun. And, you know, I kind of stuck here because I still think they go. They made some great free agent acquisitions on the defense side of the ball. Now I think in the draft they go offense. You know, the question is, do they want to add another weapon? Because, listen, we've seen A.J. Green. He hasn't been... You know, that guy. Now, again, he could could he get healthy in, in the warmer weather out there? Sure. But, you know, I think, you know, and then you look at offensive line. They need offensive line help. they got to keep Kyler Murray up straight. So I actually have them going with Christian Derisaw, the, the tackle out of Virginia Tech. And, uh, you know, again, I think I think the difference between Vera Tucker and Derisaw is, uh, is that, you know, one play, Vera Tucker's more of an interior type guy. I think that's where he fits. I think Darisaw, you can you can put him. He had the p- highest pro football focus grade of any offensive tackle in the Power Five last year. Uh, and to protect Kyler Murray, which is your future, by the way. Yeah, you have D Hop. Yeah, you have JJ Watt. Yeah, you you have all these guys. He, Kyler Murray's your future, and I think you got to protect him. I actually have the Cardinals going a different direction. They lost Pat Pete to free agency uh, to the Vikings. I have them going J.C. Horn here. I believe you have him picked 15th. That's He's still correct. on my big board, so Arizona gets the second-best corner available. They're going with J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, and we move forward. With the number 17th pick, the Las Vegas Raiders select. Yeah, I mean, where do you go? You know, this this team, you know, we've had Boltner in, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of glimpses that you love this team, and there's a lot of, oh, man, I root for the wrong team. And I think they got to still solidify that defense. I know they brought, uh, you know, kind of caught here between safety and linebacker. I uh, kind of like Corey Littleton's playing linebacker for them, I think. So uh, I kind of like. This is Gruden here. Right. So unorthodox. Right. Um, I, I like Trayvon Mohrig. Out of TCU, the safety. I apologize if I said that wrong. Uh, he's got some of the best ball production you'll ever see from a safety product, uh, safety prospect. Excuse me. He led all safeties in uh, pass breakups in each of the last two years. And he's six two two oh two. I think that's one of the. He's not one of these like five eleven buck ten soaking wet guys. He looks six two two oh two. Very physical guy and uh, a lot of physicality. Can really bring the boom uh, for that team, which. You know, John Gruden loves excitement, doesn't he? So, you know, you get a guy out there that can lay lay the wood, and uh, I think this is the home for him. I think they go a different direction here. I think the Raiders go with uh, offensive tackle Christian Darisaw. I think he just went in your draft. But they lost a lot of pieces, and a lot of pieces on that O-line. Obviously, Rodney Hudson, 10-year veteran for them. He's going to the Cardinals. I think they try to rebuild their offensive line right now. I got Christian Darisaw, O-tackle, Virginia Tech. Interesting. We move forward with the 18th pick and the second pick for the Miami Dolphins. Where do you see them addressing this pick after they make their first round? Yeah, I mean, I'd ha- first, I have them round. taking Jamar Chase. And, uh, you know, now I think now I think they address the defensive side of the ball. Jeremiah Owusu-Komarao uh, from Notre Dame. Again, I doubt I said that right. I'm sure Dr. Dr. P is, uh, is going to correct me at some point. At, otherwise known as Jock. He ticks all the boxes. You know, I, I think this is guy, he's a modern linebacker. He's very physical. He's got some slot coverage skills too. And I think I think for that team, he kind of fits. And uh I think they need they need some help there uh at that level of their defense. I also think the Miami Dolphins go to the defensive side of the ball, but I think they go edge here. I think Jalen Phillips mm. makes a lot of sense. A Miami guy. I know there's a lot of questions and concerns with concussions, with health and this and that. He was a five-star talent coming out of high school. He's lived up to that expectation, battling back two or three transfers in college. He's made out of the mud. This is the guy Miami wants to lead their defense into that next half of the... And they did get rid of Van Noy, you know, so that that, that does make sense. That kind of hybrid, you know, can can do it. I was going to say second half of Flores' era, but Flores is still pretty new. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this is early on Flores' era. It could be a second-stone <laughs> piece for this guy. Yeah, no doubt. The 19th pick, we have the Washington football team. No name yet. They've been voting. They've been saying. They've been voting. Nothing's happened. 
here we are, the Washington football team still with the uh, pick in the draft. Uh, excuse me, 19th pick in the draft. What do you got? Yeah, all all Dan Snyder's done is just go from owning 40-something percent to owning 81% of the team. So that's great. Uh, that seems like the best thing for football. Uh, <laughs> listen, Terry McLaurin is a great receiver. I think we've we found that out, and now they, they I believe they got Curtis Samuel uh, uh, last year, so they don't really need any weapons. Uh, that defense, the front seven is fantastic, is stupid good. You know, I, I've been saying stupid a lot, but I mean in the in the most uh, complimentary way I possibly can. Greg Newsom from Northwestern makes a lot of sense here, I think, because you you got the front seven now, build the back four, and you got a defense that again. If Daniel Jones can't score, the Giants aren't going to win, right? Like, you know, they, they they say offense wins games, defense wins championships. They I think Washington is all in on this whole defensive concept. So I think they go for cornerback. They go Greg Newsom. I got a di- different direction. Um, yes, I'm going defense, but I, I'm going Jeremiah Uwusu Koromora. I think you just had him. Koromora, there you go. Yeah, That's a better pronunciation. No, yeah, Notre Dame senior. But he's interesting to me because he's like a linebacker hybrid safety. He can, mm. play, he can play up in the air, obviously, but he can also be in that middle of the defense. And you're right, their front seven right now is pretty solidified, but you can never have too much talent there, especially when you're looking to do three fours, maybe even a two five and have a little bit of rush going on. Who knows in this modern NFL? But yeah, I think uh, Washington goes defense again in a packed NFC East with everyone packing up their offenses. Yeah, I could definitely see it. So. With the 20 pick, we have what would be the Bears, but I'm pretty sure we both traded for the Eagles here. We did, and I have I. this is where I have Elijah Vera Tucker, the interior offensive lineman from USC, going, listen, they they got to build that back up. Now, uh, Jason Peters is not what he once was. Lane Johnson is getting up there, it seems. You know, I think he's still quote-unquote young, but it seems like he, we're, we're getting further away from that Super Bowl uh, where he was completely dominant. They have to rebuild that offensive line. I think they're they're watching what's happening in Dallas, where their their offensive line is kind of deteriorating by the day. I think they got to address it here, and uh, Vera Tucker sitting there in the interior, him paired with Jason Kelsey, I think could be a real great mentorship and uh, and and great for them. You know, we see some of these guards like Zach Martin didn't go till around this range back when he got drafted, and he turned out pretty damn good. And so you see some of these guards get taken a little bit later. And some of these interior guys, and they turn out pretty good. I got Vera Tucker going to US. Uh, well, he went to USC, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, with pick twenty here, it's intriguing because obviously they traded back, so it's like, oh, what can they do? I I think they go right here and they go with uh, cornerback Caleb Farley. He's still on my big board, and obviously he's following the model of what the Cowboys are doing. Loaded at receiver right now for the Redskins and Giants, trying to stop them, put the blanket on that fire, if you will. And they go cornerback here, Caleb Farley Jr. out of Virginia Tech. Yeah, he had some back concerns, I believe, right? Yeah. But he got that all cleared up. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I have him slipping a little bit. Yep. But he's still here. And we move forward to the number 21st pick, Indianapolis Colts. Oh, the Colts. Listen, you know, I think this is prime spot. You get a guy like Carson Wentz. What do you want to do? You want to surround him with some weapons. I think they go Rashad Bateman. Out of uh, out of Minnesota, I think he slipped this far. Uh, his junior year, he definitely wasn't as productive as his sophomore year, you know. But he he did have impacts of COVID after he contracted it. Uh, he was one of the highest graded receivers in the country as a sophomore and led the nation in yards per route run from an outside alignment. So I think that's interesting. Obviously, this is pro football focus, they do a great job. And uh, I like Rashad Bateman here because I like Michael Pittman. I like his size. I like his athleticism. But I want a guy. I want another guy to pair, you know, with Carson Wentz. Another guy like you, the the Carson Wentz situation strikes me. And, and listen, that Cole team—they're not far off for, from making a deep run. They've got the pieces, and I think they got to put enough weapons around Carson Wentz to say, listen, if you can't get it done, you stink. You like you stink worse than my breath when I wake up in the morning. Okay, so there. I think they get him another weapon in Rashad Bateman, a big time receiver, and uh, they they surround him with more weapons. Yeah, I have them going a different direction right here. I think right now they have a decent offensive line, good running system, where they're going to have Carson Wentz be more of a game manager. Mind you, Michael Pittman picked in the second round last year. Right. T. Y. Hilton's still there, so I think they don't address the receiver 
think they go to defense side of the ball and they address cornerback here. I still have them picking up. Well, I believe his name is Caleb Newsom. Or no, Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom. Northwestern junior, um, cornerback there. But it, it leaves an interesting point because their front seven on defense is stacked. Right. Maybe they do go receiver. So uh, you just raised a lot of interesting questions in my mind. Yeah, you got you got to wonder. We move on to the 22nd pick in the NFL draft with the Tennessee Titans. Goose. Yeah, the Titans. You lose a guy like Corey Davis, so you know, and you lose Adam Humphreys, right? In that offense, and Jadavian Clowney. So uh, I got you know, really between a guy like Quiddy Pay, who I still have on the board, surprisingly, uh, you know, a guy like Caleb Farley on that defense because that defense was awful last year, or do you continue to surround? Oh, it's uh, by the yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about the Falcons, Arthur Smith before. Yes, I don't know if I said his name wrong, but it's Arthur Smith, and uh, you know a guy like Elijah Moore, who's a dynamic slot receiver at Ole Miss. Uh, he's an interesting prospect at this point. I think you lose a guy like Jadavion. I think Quiddy Pay falls to Tennessee right here. Falls right at home. Goes to Nashville. Has himself a good time. And uh, listen, I, I there's no explanation to why Quiddy Pay falls this far. You know, I just think it kind of, you know, they describe him as built different. But I, I just think, you know, based on teams' needs and and areas that they need help in, I think Quiddy Pay is the pick for Tennessee. Because they need that defense. That defense was no, no bueno. I, I do think Tennessee goes defense here, but I got Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Out of Miami. Yeah, I got the second DN from Miami going. Obviously, Jalen Phillips goes 18. But right here, it makes sense. Obviously, they lose Davian Clowney. They need to start building up that defensive line and pass rush again. I think they get the second best, personally, um, defensive end out of Miami, and they sit pretty right there at pick 22, and we move forward. With the second pick for the New York Jets in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft, Goose, what's the card say? Caleb Farley, cornerback, they need a corner. And uh, it's one of the many, 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 many holes on this team. Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, got to be the pick here. You got to address that defense. Uh, you obviously get your new quarterback. Could they go out and get him a weapon? Yeah, I could see Elijah Moore being the pick here. But I think Caleb Farley's got to be the pick because corner is a huge need for this team. Yeah, I'm going Trevin Morig right here, TCU safety. Um, again, they got to address defense. They got to reestablish that secondary. Marcus May's on a one-year deal, or maybe pair him with this guy. I think it's going to be um, a positive sign. And who knows, maybe the Jets trade back into the first round, pick up something later on. Maybe. Very possible. With the 24th pick, rather, in the NFL draft, Pittsburgh Steelers are up. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, listen, this is a very difficult pick because, to me, it's between, you know, number 56, who I love, Creed Humphrey, uh, the center out of Oklahoma. This dude was touted as the top center when he was going to become draft eligible when he was a freshman. Okay, when he was a freshman, they knew he would be this good. And Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama, both huge needs. I think they go Creed Humphrey here. Jolene, you talked to me a little bit about this before the show, but I love Creed Humphrey. First of all, great name. Oklahoma. Sec- second of all, great number. Third, the that relationship between the center and the quarterback is arguably, arguably on the field outside of offensive coordinator and quarterback. It is arguably the most important relationships in terms of setting protections, getting slides the right way, getting protections picked up so that Ben doesn't end up in the hospital. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Creed Humphrey um, blocks for Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, so he knows what he's doing there. Oh yeah. So, I, I think he knows what he's doing. Now he's going to be playing with a quarterback that just stands back there, though. So a little bit different. Yeah, 24th pick, i got to agree with you. Creed Humphrey here makes the most sense. They lost a, a Pouncey brother to um, retirement this year. I think both Pounceys actually retired this year. I believe so, yes. So, yeah, I have the Chargers addressing um, the in- interior of their offense. I also have Pittsburgh addressing the interior of their offense. Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma center. We move on. To the number 25th pick, and it's a trend here with the top picks. They have two of them. Jacksonville Jaguars are up with the second pick in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. Goose, who do you like here? Yeah, well, you know, honestly, what can, what do they do? You know, do they go get him another way? We- I like their weapons, though. 
I really do. I kind of like Jacksonville's weapons in terms of receivers, so I don't think they go there. I think they go defense, and I think Gregory uh, Gregory Rousseau uh, makes a lot of sense here. Just being a Florida guy, uh, him and Jalen Phillips, I think there's a lot there's a lot of not necessarily similarities, but in terms of it's a, you know you kind of run into a coin flip. I think when you look talent wise at the two of them, Jalen Phillips, the health, the concussions concerns me. Uh, to a level, but I I think I think Gregory is the pick here. I think he's a he's a talented rush guy, and they need that. You know, the last one they had was Yannick. Now they have Josh Allen down there, who we hasn't made a lot of noise, but maybe with somebody else respectable on the other side, he could stop getting double teamed all the time. So uh, Gregory Rousseau over to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I think they address address the offensive line right here. I got Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, the right tackle. Um, and yeah, obviously Trevor Lawrence is their investment. They're going to have to protect them. This right. is where they, they help their offensive line and solidify themselves a big piece up front. And we move forward. Yep. With the number 26th pick in the draft, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, what does Cleveland do here? They're, again, a team with, there's not a ton of holes. You know, really weird saying that, by the way. Just completely whack. You know, Ten years I, ago, I would have laughed in your face if you said that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, honestly, they got a great pass rush. Could it get better? Could you go with a guy like Jalen Phillips, Jason Oa from Penn State? Maybe, you know. But I think, man, this is tough. This is really, really difficult. I'm going to go with... I'm gonna I'm gonna have the Cleveland Browns select Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. I think a I slot a slot receiver. Uh, you know, again, now you know you know what I'm gonna take that back because they, Jarvis plays very well in the slot. He works the middle of the field probably better than I think almost anybody. I think OBJ's window is shorter than we expect, so I think. Yeah, receiver would make sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, like I think Jarvis, he plays so well playing in the middle, uh, trying to play that true slot position when he gets matched up with linebackers and and guys that really don't know what they're doing. So I'm actually going to take back that pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna have them take Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Great pick. I I think he I think he this is where he goes and where he finds a home. Walker Little, the tackle out of Stanford, is a, a very interesting pick. I think in that situation, Asante Samuel Jr., the corner, is a very intriguing. Denzel a lot of Ward good corners this draft. Denzel Ward's been hurt, but that back end looks good for them if they can stay healthy. So I think I think they go Jalen Phillips, and uh, again, just try to take the pressure off of Miles Garrett. And yeah, with these back end teams of the first round, obviously it's mostly a coin flip. A lot of right. playoff teams, not a lot of holes, honestly, with that. So you're drafting more for depth. But right here, they have some contract issues with Sheldon Richardson. Might bring him back if the fit's right. I have him taking Christian Barmore. You have him way higher than I do. I have him falling. First true D-tackle off the board here, right. going to Cleveland. Yeah, I, I could easily see it happening. We move on to pick number 27, the Baltimore Ravens, of their first of two. Yeah, uh, do you just go get Tevin Jenkins? You know, the right tackle, you know, considering you just lost yours, you just traded him away. You're all pro right tackle, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, listen, the difference between Tevin Jenkins and I think Walker Little in this situation, Walker's more of a left, you know, and going from left to right is, again, people make it seem like it's easy, but it's not. Tevin's true position is right tackle. And I think with Ronnie Staley anchoring the left side, you can really, really block for uh, Lamar Jackson there and really, really protect him obviously he's he is your future again whether people agree with that or not i go tevin jenkins the pick here yeah and i i got them going defense side of the ball obviously the defense is pretty solidified right now but aziza jewelry has fallen this far i think they have two first round picks they will address the tackle in my draft in the second pick but right here they go edge aziza jewelry coming out of georgia i feel like he's fallen too far for them to pass up on interesting obviously pick. these teams solidified right <laughs> To the 28th pick, we have the New Orleans Saints. Now, these guys could go a bunch of ways, including quarterback, maybe. Where do you have them drafting? Yeah, I mean, listen, they they very, very well could go quarterback here. I don't even know who the next quarterback would be. But, uh, listen, I think 
This is a team that's got to... Uh, Janoris Jenkins was not it for exactly. them last year. So I think they go corner in this situation, and I think they go Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. I like them both. I like their front seven. I do. You know, with Cameron Jordan and uh, the one dude that doesn't wear gloves. I think that uh, tr- uh, tr- uh, Troy Hendrickson, I think is his name. Great dude. Demario Davis playing linebacker for them. Anzalone, uh, him and him and Ryan Jensen, the center from Tampa Bay, are just going to get in a fight next year. I can't wait. Um, but I think Asante Samuel Jr. is now going to play that other corner for them, uh, and I think I think he fits for them, and I think he'll be an upgrade over Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, I agree. Number 28th pick, Asante Samuel Jr., and you've mentioned all the things I was about to say. A lot of questions in secondary. I know there's questions at quarterback still. You have Jameis, you have Taysom Hill. Those answers can be answered short-term. Right now you look for a long-term solution. Go after a defensive guy who might be on your team. Five to six years if you're lucky. Right. Very easily. We move on to the most interesting team in last year's draft. The Green Bay Packers have the 29th pick. Do they say make the same mistake and go quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> I think if they took quarterback, I think uh, I think Aaron Rodgers would retire the next day. Uh, this screams for once. For and I'm doing I'm making this pick as a fan because I'm so tired of watching Green Bay do this to him. Receiver. I, I, I'm going receiver in this part and I'm going Terrace Mitchell. Or uh, Terrace Marshall, excuse me. I apologize for that. He really played Justin Jefferson's role uh this last year. I think he can complement Devontae Adams. They lost I believe was it uh uh not they didn't lose Lazard, did they? I think they lost I think they lost maybe Lazard, and uh, they, but they have guys like Valdez Scantling, guys that are not going to wow you. They're true number threes, true number yeah. fours. Like these aren't number twos you should be having with the, on a team with Aaron Rodgers. I think Terrace Marshall has the opportunity to slide right into that number two slot, be very reliable for Aaron Rodgers as he continues this back nine of his career, as he called it a couple years ago. Terrace Marshall, LSU wide receiver, the third one. In the first round over the last two years, just, just ridiculous. unbelievable. Terrace Marshall, the pick for Green Bay. Yeah, I also have Green Bay addressing their need for another weapon, but you have Rashad Bateman going earlier. I have him falling right here. Perfect fit for the Packers, no doubter. Minnesota wide receiver going to Green Bay. Well, he knows the cold weather, that's for sure. With the number 30th pick, we have the Buffalo Bills. Now it's interesting, the Bills, again, not a lot of holes. Yeah, not a lot of holes, but uh, they do have one. It's in their run game. I'm going Najee Harris. It's where I had my first running back coming off the board. I think it's where I had my first running back coming off the board last year, too. Uh, Najee Harris, listen, Josh Allen's great. He can throw the ball to the moon and back. That's great. But you have to have a respectable enough run game. You have to have a respectable enough run game. I could also see if Creed Humphrey doesn't go to Pittsburgh, this could be a landing spot too to solidify the interior. If Creed I like Humphrey falls to thirty, that's a steal. Yeah, I I, lo- I would love Najee Harris in this pick if I'm Buffalo, and I'm probably running to Roger Goodell and giving him a hug, uh, obviously, which he can do because he's been vaccinated uh, according to everybody. I I I think Najee Harris is the pick. Um, I'm going a different direction here. I like their defense. I love their defensive corners and their safeties. I think their only big questions right now are linebacker. I know you got AJ Klein in there, but they're not going right. to be held on long-term deals. I'm going Zayvon Phillips right here, Tulsa linebacker. Mm. I think it makes sense. I think he's pretty high-ranked enough where he might fall, but he might not. He might get picked in that top right. 15 area. But if he does fall, here's where he's going. Buffalo Bills get their linebacker. Interesting. Love it. To the pick 31, which would have been the Chiefs, but they obviously traded uh, Orlando Brown. Um, Ravens get this pick, number 31. Where do the Ravens go with their second pick of the first round? Yeah, they could go edge, and I think they probably do go edge. I believe they're the last. They are the they they either well, excuse me, they either lost Matt Judon or they're going to lose him. So I'm pretty sure it went to the Patriots. No, some that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, so I think edge is the position for them. Jason Owa is an interesting guy. Aziz Ojulari is, yeah, is the name. Ojulare, I think. Ojulare. Uh, Ojulari. Oh, it's a tough name. O- Ojulari. We'll call him Aziz. Ojulari. Aziz. <laughs> I-, I like Aziz. That's a good name. 
Um, you know, it's it's very it's very interesting because I think they could I, use a receiver. They could well, they could use a receiver here. Um, you know, but they you know what it is? Rondell Moore would be the next receiver up for me. And he just seems a little bit too close to Marquis. Like if if Bateman falls to this spot, I think they jump all over it. Like I think that's a that's a big time receiver, mm-hmm. a bigger receiver. I know what you mean. Uh, that can be great for them. I'm going with our guy Aziz. The 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 actually no 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 I'm going Oa Jason Oa out of Penn State. Why? Because you have a great coach, a great culture, and which means they can take on a guy that has some of the most raw ability people have seen. You know, he's got some freak numbers. Some absolutely ridiculous numbers. I'm going to go Jason Owa, the guy out of Penn State. And again, Penn State set in two in the first round, uh, do, doing a great job. Uh, at Tua, Tua at, at, off of that defense, excuse me. So I like Jason Owa here. Yeah, I have the Ravens, obviously, with their first pick going to Z's. So right here, you have to dress the offensive line. Right. Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. Has the measurements, 6'6", 315. I think he's going to be a perfect fit for what the Ravens are looking for. And with their second pick in the first round, they address the offensive need at the lineman position. We move on to the last pick. With the Super Bowl champions who have returned 22 out of 22 starters on both sides of the football. Not a lot of need here, but what do you like them doing? It's just, that seems impossible. That just seems stupid. Um, you know, there's a lot of different directions they can go. They can go linebacker, uh, which I think, you know, that would fall into Nick Bolton, the kid out of Missouri, a very instinctive linebacker. Uh, but you can, you could see a guy like Aziz going, uh, you could also see, I JPP think he's not getting younger. You're right. JPP Shaq Barrett's not getting paid any less, you know, or it's just, a, they could go, they could go running back too. For, you know, they could go a guy like Travis Etienne. Who would be, I think, spectacular for them. So it, it really comes down to who do they think they're going to lose first. Now Levante David just signed the big deal, he's so on. you know he he's locked in. So receiver, you got Godwin and Mike Evans do up and Scott. Yeah, but you got both of them. You got Scotty Miller. You got Tyler Johnson. AB. You got AB. I, I think you know AB will find he'll find his way back to them. I'm sure. Yeah, last night the UFC fight, he was sitting with Jake Paul instead of his teammates he won a Super Bowl with. That's he, besides the point. Yeah, I mean, listen, a lot of questions around AB. <laughs> that whole Jake Paul phenomenon, I don't even fully understand yet. I can't even believe it got into this episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you, I think you have a lot of weapons. I do like, I mean, listen, if you added a guy like Rondell Moore to this Super Bowl roster. Well, I just, have him rated pretty high. But... It, it just wouldn't be fair. You know, like I, I think it's almost a cheat code or Kadarius Tony from Florida, like both great wide receivers. So I think when it comes down to this pick, I think you're really looking at D end or you're looking at running back. And, you know, I think the upside and the future of... You know, oh, this is tough. This is tough. I like. I I don't know why I like. I like these running backs. I'm going with Etn. He's got his upside and his potential is is scary good. I was almost going to say stupid good, but I said that a lot today. Scary, <laughs> scary good in terms of what you just turn on the tape, turn on the track, put him on a track and let him run. I think again. Whatever it is, it's just going to continue to embarrass the riches. And I think uh, Tampa Bay finds a way to get better. I like Travis Etienne out of Clemson here. I got a wild card one. I'm going to use my second trade. I had, I had Najee Harris going here to the Bucks, But I'm throwing a total new curveball here. Oh, baby. The Jets move from their second round spot two picks back from this one. They move up with the Bucks, Give some of their trade capital, right. obviously, to the Buccaneers. They move up, they get, they get a running back here and take three picks in the first round. They get Najee Harris, 32nd pick. Well, I do have to say, the last time a New York team took three first-round picks, the third one ended up being an attempted arm robber. So, you know, the history is not on the Jets' side. Not a lot. Well, obviously, add in their draft luck. Um, you know, so... But no, I, I I could I could absolutely see that happening. Najee Harris is a guy that could go to the Jets' second first round pick. He could go to the Steelers. I have him going to the Bills because I, don't I think rate running backs that high. But yeah, here it feels right. I you know, but again, like it's all based on need. Mm-hmm. You know, the Steelers are a team that they're kind of 
Their that defense is really good, and you lose James Conner, so you don't really have a workhorse. Najee Harris has proven he can be that guy. Lose Marquise Pouncey, you know, but then you lose your center, right? And that throws a completely different wrinkle into the into the whole system. But uh, that is our first round mock draft. Uh, we both had two trades. I had Carolina trading with New England and Chicago trading with Philadelphia. Jolan had Chicago trading with Philadelphia and the Jets trading with Tampa Bay and moving back into the first round. Three first round picks, you Jets fans. And Pray. you know, listen, I know last year I kind of did this. We're gonna I, what I'm gonna do is especially throughout the first round, I'm gonna hop on Instagram live, try to invite some different people. Obviously, Jolan will be on at some point. And, uh, you know, we'll really kind of talk through some of this stuff, through live reactions to some of these picks, who was right, who was wrong. Obviously, the full scope of that will be covered next week on the episode. But, uh, Joel, this was a lot of fun second year in a row. Oh, yeah, bro. And honestly, this this time I really broke it down, team needs, team wants, team everything like that. I feel like this is going to be the most unpredictable draft we can ever mock. Mm-hmm. I feel like what we said could be total gibberish, and teams can move up five quarterbacks in the first top five. It is a coin toss this year. It's well, it could, be exciting. Listen, it could be gibberish. Our names aren't Todd McShay nor Mel Kuyper. Well, they're and, also they, they right. Go. They're also wrong too. So, yeah. like you know, you're at the point. You know, and and I was completely the opposite. You know, listen, we, the work schedule has been really crazy. I kind of came in here. I got this list pulled up of the top 300 in the big board, and just going with your gut. You know, because again, like. the unpredictability. You have no idea. None. So you might as well go with what your gut's telling you. But uh, it was a lot of fun. And again, this was episode 46 of the Air It Out podcast. Joel on tons of fun. We're going to be back next week for episode 47. We told you, stay tuned for Instagram Live. We'll hop on that for a little while uh, during the draft, especially during the Giants pick. I know I'll be seeing you then. Uh, at that point, we have to live react that one. But uh, Joel on, it's been a lot of fun. You can follow me on Twitter. Now on Twitter, at Goose on the Mic. And on Instagram, at Goose on the Mic. Change the handle a little bit uh, to make it easier for everybody at home. Joel, where might the people be able to find you, then find the podcast? You, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at good old Joel's. You can also follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out or on Instagram at airitout.podcast. Again, Instagram Live this Thursday for the draft. Join Goose. Might join myself. Might join some other guests. We will see. But until next time, put in the books.